If you want to support any of the podcasts produced by Multiple World Productions, consider going to multipleworldproductions.com slash books, where you can pick up any of my released Kindle books, including the Operation Swan Song trilogy, Our Past Does Not Define Us, In the End, the Echo Omega series, and Sizzle Reel for just $2.99 each. Thank you. Welcome to 30 Minute Reviews. I am Adam with a late breaking news edition of the show. We don't normally do these, but there was a pretty big shakeup at Marvel Studios today. And we did this for DC, so I figured, you know, equal time um, for for both sides of the aisle. um, Or both sides of the street. So, what we're going to talk about is what the shakeup could potentially mean. Or more importantly, what it probably doesn't mean, because I've seen a lot of speculation already, and I kind of want to get out there and be like, mm, probably not. So, Disney announced its first round of layoffs, and in this first round, they laid off their entire Metaverse team, which is indicative of where they think Metaverse is going, um, and I think if you want proof that um, this whole Metaverse, you know, and, and crypto thing is kind of a scam... The fact that one of the largest entertainment companies on the planet, whether you like what they do or you don't, you can't deny they are one of the largest entertainment companies on the planet. Um, them pulling out of the metaverse and getting rid of their metaverse team uh, did not cause a shakeup in the market, um, which you would think would be a pretty big... You motherfucker. You'd think would be a pretty big, um, like shake up to to the thing that's like if if it's not being supported by Disney who has a vested interest in 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 the metaverse because they could use it for parks they could use it for because as I understand it, the metaverse is not just virtual experiences which Disney could use to their advantage it's also um you know like augmented reality um which could do a lot in the park so if you're gonna lay off your entire metaverse team I think it indicates that the technology isn't quite there right now, but, you know, there was no crypto market effect in this, uh, whatever. Um, be that as it may, um, what we're here to talk about is the bigger layoff, which was the layoff of Ike Perlmutter, um, which you've probably heard his name on this show before. Ike Perlmutter is the head of Marvel Entertainment, or was the head of Marvel Entertainment until today. Um, and... What happened was, uh, the reason why he got talked about was he was the one who was notorious for not spending a lot of money on stuff. He was, you know, he was big on making sure that, you know, budgets were kept low and and all of that kind of stuff, which, um, and, and also copious studio interference, which is why we ended up in the first few, you know, phases one and two, you end up with a lot of movies that have studio interference a lot. Um, then, there was a dispute between him and between Feige, who's at the time running just Marvel Studios, a subsidiary of Marvel Entertainment under the Walt Disney Company umbrella. Um, so he goes up over Perlmutter's head and goes to, um, at the time it would have been the same guy it is now, um, Bob, um, Bob Iger, and gets... Marvel Studios removed out from under Marvel Entertainment into the same level as, as the other studio, like Disney Animation, Disney Live Action, or Disney Pictures, um, and uh, what was the other one? The other big, well, 
Lucasfilm. I don't think Lucasfilm was a... No, Lucasfilm was acquired by that point. But they, they, he gets pulled out and gets put into that same caliber as these other studios, including Pixar. And Pearl Mutter is left just in charge of the... Um, just in charge of, you know, Marvel TV and all of that. Um, the problem was there were a few difficulties that came in as a result of that. Um, Marvel television had rights to characters that could not be used in the movies. Um, exclusivity deals were signed with Netflix and with Hulu and things like that to make it more, um, to, to entice them into these deals. And it, it was just created kind of a mess. And then on top of it, you had a bunch of other things that had to happen. Namely, Feige wanted to do a Captain Marvel movie and look how that turned out. And then, um... It, he was not given the ability to do that by Perlmutter, who refused to let him use the character, unless he agreed to make an Inhumans movie, because Perlmutter was under the impression that people would care about the Inhumans as much as they care about the X-Men. So he wanted Marvel Studios to turn the Inhumans into the X-Men, while in the comics doing the similar kind of, you know, we're going to put the X-Men not on ice, but we're going to put them back a little bit, we're going to pull back on Fantastic Four, because those are over at Fox, we want to only promote the things that are at Marvel Studios. Um, so all of this comes down to him. Um, now, the the thing with this was, um, when this happened, Perlmutter was left in charge of Marvel Entertainment. And kind of, a, I don't know how much of a day-to-day operations role he had, but he was still in charge of Marvel Entertainment. Um, not in equal footing with Marvel Studios, but I think that a equal way to put it would have been it was about the same as, like, Disney Publishing, which is where they handle all of the, um, like, or a lot of the... Star Wars books get put out through Disney Publishing, especially with more kids' books. But Marvel was kind of its own entity that was kind of operating the way that it saw fit. Um, and after that is when you started to get more, you know, you started to get more of the, the things that were, you know, not being pushed as much while Marvel Studios... And again, there is a little bit of a, a backlog that needs to get there because it's like, oh, it doesn't take five minutes to produce a comic and have it published... But whatever. Um, be that as it may, you know, this is where we are now. Um, so he's now out. So what does that mean for the hierarchy of power at Marvel, which has just been shaken up in a very rock-esque way? Um, the, what this means is most likely nothing. It means that the hierarchy is now... Marvel Entertainment now reports to Marvel Studios, um, meaning that Feige is now de facto the head of Marvel Entertainment. Um, he now runs, you know, all of Marvel Entertainment, um, including the comic side. Now, what does this mean for comics? Likely very little. Um, I would be surprised if Feige managed to find time to micromanage what the comics were doing on a issue-to-issue basis. Um, maybe he can give broader ideas for arcs and broader ideas for what characters he wants to see teamed up. But just to get it kind of laid out in the comics to kind of tie in better, maybe we'll get better tie-in comics. Um, but I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's necessarily, um, I just saw a road sign or like one of the election things that said, there were uh, 300,000 more votes than there were voters in New York, and I'm like, I don't think that's true. Um, but yeah, so anyone can just throw in they want 
on one of these little signs that they can put wherever they want, and people will just read it and assume it's accurate. But look, here's the thing. Um, I I don't think that it's going to have a profound impact on Marvel on a day-to-day operations basis. Um, I think that what we're looking at right now is Marvel Studios is undergoing a kind of shakeup that hasn't happened publicly since the, I called it a coup, um, I don't think that's accurate, since Feige was, and, and Marvel Studios was brought out from under the thumb of Marvel Entertainment. Um, I don't think we've seen that, and I think that it does, to an extent, kind of make sense to have the movie side dictate to the comic side what's, what's, what's going to happen. Um, and to have the movie side people kind of figure it out. Because at this point, the comics aren't a a tool to sell the movie. The movies are the movies. Like, if you go to see a Marvel movie, I would say the vast majority of people who went in to see... Or the vast majority of people, let's use Guardians of the Galaxy. I would assume the vast majority of people who are going to see Guardians of the Galaxy next month um, have not seen, or a little over a month from now, have not read a Guardians of the Galaxy comic. And at the time the first Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, movie came out, myself included. Um, I had never read a Guardians of the Galaxy comic, and I was like, alright, this could be kind of cool, and the movie's great. Um, so I think to an extent that's how they kind of look at it, where it's like, look, if we can use the movies to promote the books, that's better than vice versa. Um, because the books were not moving enough to be able to say, oh, it's marketing the movies. So, it's an interesting conundrum that they find themselves in here, um, and I would be interested to see how it plays out more broadly once the, you know, once we see this kind of, you know, once we see how this, you know, impacts going forward. Because, like, today we also got news of the next major, uh, big event thing they're doing called Gods, and I'm like... When I read it, like, oh, Jonathan Hickman is doing something cool with Marvel. I mean, you got me. I mean, I'll, I'll read that. So that's not, you know, that's not a hard sell for me. Um, and if it's going to reshape how we view the Marvel Universe, then 100% you have me on board. Um, but I, like, I think that could be an interesting show. Or an interesting comic. And I'm, I want to see where that goes. Um, and I would like to see, um, what's it called? I would like to see more from... Uh, you know, more from the X-Men. And the thing is, too, it's like when we talk about, like, what what Perlmutter was doing, this is a good thing for, like... Because at the end of the day, we're now at a point where the only character, really, that Marvel doesn't have the rights to is Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Um, and everything else is kind of under the Marvel banner. I think that they can't do a Hulk solo still. I think maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe they can do Hulk solo stuff. Because um, it's like, if it, if it was, why are they doing basically Incredible Hulk 2 in, in New World Order? Where, like, okay, so the leader's here, and Betty's here, and it's like, is She-Hulk going to show up? And is Hulk going to show up? Like, it, it's an interesting situation, and I, I, and I want to see how that plays out. Um, but I think that they don't have the rights to the Hulk either. Um, and they can't do no more solo movies. But besides those, um, they have complete jurisdiction to do whatever they want. And if that's the case, if they have complete jurisdiction to do whatever they want, then really it wouldn't really matter for lack of a better word if they can get to, like, you know, 
what the comics can do. What the comics can do now with this is get more experimental and let creators do what they want to do. Because, like, when we talk about, like, what they've done on the TV shows, Miss Marvel has corrected, for lack of a better word, a, a, a publisher mandate. Because Miss Marvel was intended to be a mutant when she was created. Um, which makes a lot of sense, considering Miss Marvel um, has ties to Rogue. Like, to have the new Miss Marvel be an inhuman doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, and making her a mutant doesn't change anything profoundly about the character. So it's that kind of thing where it's like, oh, so she's a mutant now. That is correcting the mistake from, from back then. Now, they can't, they probably can't retcon on that in the comics because if I remember my Marvel um, bullshit rules and, uh, and other things correctly, like, I think the Terraging Gas is, like, incredibly toxic to mutants. Like, even more so than it is to regular humans, is it? Or, or was... Or, or was the, the toxic to humans just in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm making... It, it definitely was toxic to mutants, because that was the X-Men vs. Inhumans comic they did. Was the, the Terrigen Mist was getting... They wanted to use Terrigen, uh, Terrigenesis to show off everyone, all the Inhumans on the planet. And, um, the, you know... The, the X-Men were like, oh, you'll kill us all. And, and you know, fucking Black Bolt was like, okay, I don't, that's not my problem. Um, so like if that's, if that's the case, and that's where this is going, where it's like, I, I don't know if you can retcon that in the comic at this point, but whatever, we can, well, it is what it is. Um, but if it, if it means that they're going to use the comics to kind of lay out more characters and, and establish more things, then I'm all for it. Like, it feels weird that they're debuting a new, an entirely new character that's an entirely new superhero in What If. And I think that putting Marvel Entertainment, or Marvel Entertainment under Marvel Studios allows them to avoid that in the future as well, because then they can take this character and do, they can do Marvel 1602 and, and tie it in a little bit better, where it's like, oh, here's Marvel 1602, here is the, the Captain Marvel from 1602, and it's this woman who, um, this, this, uh, this Native American woman from upstate New York who, uh, who, who got the Tesseract and got powers from it. Like, it's a cool idea. Like, I, I think it's a, it's a really cool idea, but, you know, in the comics it'd be different because, you know, Tesseract is exclusive to the movies. It's just the space stone, um, or the space gem, or how, I don't know which, which, whatever. Um... So, we'll wrap up there for today. Uh, I think it's a good place to leave off. I think we've established a lot, and I think we've we've made some friends along the way. I think that this is something that could lead to good things for Marvel Entertainment. If you're a fan of seeing new uses for characters, and, and seeing new and inventive things, and seeing creator-driven content, I think this is a good place to go. Um... It makes me more optimistic about Marvel than I am about DC on the comics side. Because, again, I've been through this. I've said this before, and you'll you'll hear me say it again, and you'll hear me bitch about this forever. I'm not a fan of DC's um, 700 Bat books, um, which is kind of where it always is, because it's always all Batman all the time. Um, which, if we don't have to do that, you know, we shouldn't have to, but... If we're at this point with these, then I don't think we have to necessarily do that. Um, but on that note, we'll wrap up there for today. So, until our next episode, which will be 
uh, probably Friday at this point. Yeah, Friday for um, Outer Banks episode three. Have a great rest of your week. This podcast is a production of Multiple World Productions. For more details about all the other things happening on all three podcasts, check out multipleworldproductions.com.